0: Happy Writer. This is a podcast that aims to bring readers more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I'm your host, Marissa Meyer. Thanks so much for joining me. This is going to be our last episode of 2020 as I will be taking off the rest of December to focus on the holidays and my family uh, and also writing because it turns out I have a book due at the end of January that is nowhere close to done. So I am going to be getting lots of writing done, but we will be back in January. We already have some awesome guests lined up for next year that I am super excited about. So stay tuned for more. The thing that is making me happy today, continuing the Christmas theme, all things Christmas are making me happy. And lately it has been Etsy. Etsy Etsy.com because you know shopping has to happen and we're probably not going to be spending a whole lot of time out in the world shopping this year um and so I've rediscovered a love of Etsy and I'm just so grateful for all of the super talented people that are on that website selling their their homemade items um and I think it's going to be a very crafty Christmas this year it'll be a little different but I'm excited And of course, I am so happy to be talking to today's guest. She is the author of the DC graphic novel, Nubia, Real One, and is a contributor to Marvel's Black Widow, Bad Blood serial audiobook series, as well as the anthologies, A Phoenix First Must Burn, Color Outside the Lines, and Wonderland. She is also the author of the Nightmare Verse series, which currently includes A Blade So Black and A Dream So Dark. The third book of the series, A Crown So Cursed, will be coming out in 2021. Please welcome L.L. McKinney. Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to have you. How is life in your bunker treating
1: you? (laughs) My bunker. Uh, It consists of, right now... Uh, scrambling to meet some of those deadlines um, so I can try and have, you know, time around the holidays off towards the end of the year. And Persona 5 has currently consumed my entire soul. Um, usually video games do that for me. So so that's how life has been in my bunker is late nights trying to write and cussing out boss fights on my PS. <laughs>
0: yeah uh it's been a long time since i cussed out a boss but <laughs> that just brought back so much nostalgia
1: it's like riding a bike you will honestly just sit <laughs> right back into it
0: it just floods right back
1: it really does <laughs> kingdom hearts flashbacks
0: oh my god um, <laughs> well good luck with the deadline um i i know how you feel tis the season yeah Um, Why don't we start with telling listeners what is your Nightmare Verse series about? Absolutely. So the Nightmare Verse both asks
1: and answers the question, what if Buffy fell down the rabbit hole instead of Alice? (laughs) where there's a black teenage girl who lives in Atlanta and her after school job is crossing into the realm of dreams known as wonderland in order to hunt and kill creatures called nightmares which are physical manifestations of humanity's fears and terrors and you know bad emotions and things like that um while you know dealing with her mom and her friends and just trying to live life and uh, I like to call it a Wonderland reimagining instead of a retelling because it doesn't necessarily follow those story beats. But you do see a lot of familiar faces and characters and concepts, you know, and I, I really enjoy it. So that, that's essentially the Nightmareverse series.
0: So this series, it combines two of my most favorite things, one being Alice in Wonderland and the other being Sailor Moon. Uh so I really can we just talk about Sailor Moon for a little bit? Absolutely. Yes, we can. I'm (laughs) never gonna say no. Because I mean I assume you have to be a fan, right? You couldn't write this character if you weren't also a fan.
1: I am a ridiculously huge fan. Like Sailor Moon was my first introduction to anime before I even knew what anime
0: was. (laughs) Me too. I love it. I cannot tell you how excited I was when I, I picked up the first book, A Blade So Black. And in the very first chapter <laughs> we are we meet Alice and she's you know she's going through some stuff clearly yes. however before all these things were happening she had been on her way to an anime convention and she's still wearing the sailor fuku and the wig and i was like yes. oh, she's a moonie
1: <laughs> she is she is a moonie I did wearing that dress, uh, that she's wearing Sailor Moon's uh, outfit. And then there's a point in the book where she goes to a costume party and she dresses as Princess Serenity. So she very much
0: is a fan, just like me. I love it. I have also dressed up as Sailor Moon and Princess Serenity. So I was immediately very attached to this character. (laughs) And then at that costume party and Chess is like Clearly dressed up as tuxedo mask and she is so oblivious. I
1: have no idea. It's so (laughs) funny when like readers catch on to it because he's taken most of it off, right? Well, not most of it, but he's taken off enough of it that it could be any other costume if she knew what he had taken off, right? right right but yes he did he asked her what she was going as he researched it he made a costume to compliment hers and
0: it's honestly the sweetest thing and I feel so bad for him in that scene conflict not a conflict right I know but it is truly like that moment was all of my teenage fantasies like oh, this is the boy that I want. L, what are you doing? Or sorry, not L. Alice, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I am also to blame for that. So I, I, I say, know. Well, that's a good point.
1: I made the decision. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I. Sarah peppered throughout this entire book, but her dressing and cosplaying as the characters is honestly my favorite part.
0: I loved it. I loved it. The the yeah. It just really made my heart swell. Um, Do you, I mean, do you have a fan fiction background? Clearly a fandom background, but did you write fanfic? Kind of, yes. Um, So, didn't know what fanfic was, but my
1: oldest childhood friend, who we, we've been friends since like the eighth grade, and we met because of Sailor Moon. It was, I think it was the end of the eighth grade year. We were both in orchestra. This was the only class we had together, really. And I see her across the room, because we're not playing instruments. It's like the last week, we're done. There are no there are no um, concerts to get ready for. And she's got something, I think it was a... a a, uh, a binder where you could like put pictures down in the front because it was a plastic so you could put whatever you wanted in there and it was Sailor Moon so I crossed the room to her and very quietly because eighth grade L was ridiculously shy and I asked her you like Sailor Moon too and she says yes and we have been inseparable ever since <laughs> because of Sailor Moon so what we would do is we would call each other after school and we would talk back and forth as we plotted out and wrote Sailor Moon fanfic together on the phone, on the landline, because cell phones weren't a thing. Which would irritate my grandparents and her parents to no end because this is what we're Not only do they have to hear us, but the phone line is tied up because we're just talking for hours. So yeah, uh, that's kind of what I did fanfic wise. I never like posted any of my fanfic. I did write some. What I did do, and I kind of talked about it on Twitter a little bit, is um, I would role play like ORP, where you would go into like the Yahoo chat rooms and pretend to be a yes. character and fight, and you know have whatever you know story conflicts and so forth and so on how I met some of my other friends um yeah back when it was dangerous to meet people on the internet <laughs> this is what I'm doing oh back in the old days <laughs> the olden days before it was a thing that you were just expected to do <laughs> get online and find your family um but yeah so i fanfic wasn't hardcore part of it, but the fandom and things around fanfic absolutely
0: were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, me too. I mean, I, I, I did, I wrote a ton of fan fiction and posted it uh, and also met a ton of friends, people I'm still really close to through the fandom and like credit it hugely with, I don't know, keeping me sane through my teenage years just in general. Um, Okay. Thank you for indulging. (laughs) Now we can talk about your books. (laughs) I mean, I'm
1: happy to indulge concerning Sailor Moon and anime, for hours at a time, so okay.
0: it, literally nothing, no problem. All right, I appreciate it. Um, okay, the first thing I want to talk about with the *A Blade So Black* and the Nightmare Verse is character development, because obviously a lot of characters are inspired by Wonderland characters, um you know, Lewis Carroll characters, but they're all so unique and interesting. And I just fell in love with every single one of them. Uh, The Tweedles are probably my favorite, but it's a really hard choice to make. (laughs) Um, So take me through your process in taking some of these characters with very well-known attributes, you know, beloved characters, and then putting your own spin on them.
1: Yeah. So Alice, actually, no, I don't think Alice was the first to show up the more I think about it. Cause it was, it was very close. Um, I think actually Addison had a popped up first. Love him. Um, yeah, it's my version of the Mad Hatter. He popped up <laughs> and she was a very close second. So much so that I'm fairly certain that they showed up together. But part of me is convinced that he was around maybe a split second beforehand, mm-hmm. like two or three days as I'm messing around with this concept. And the two of them are there And immediately I can kind of sense their dynamic. Um, He irritates her to no end, but it's that fun sort of irritation that you get out of, you know, these types of dynamics. Um, And they're on assignment together. And this scene actually ends up making it into the book somewhat. And she's annoyed because he has suggested she use herself as bait. And it works. So he's a genius. Hmm. But she's also irritated at him because this is what's happening. And everybody else in the pub where he crosses into Wonderland with her, it's called The Looking Glass. And then in Wonderland as well, start to arise from this scene that I've drawn with their dynamic. So Maddie, who's the character, my version of the Dormouse, who's the bartender who's fallen asleep half the time, Um, she's the one who shows up next because she's how, you know, they heal when they get back. And then Alice can't be by herself, so the Tweedles show up. And they... I try and think of where they came from. I'm not 110% sure, but they were there. And they're the only characters that I didn't have to go back and tweak,
0: really.
1: Mm. They like their dynamic with her and with themselves. I think that's what makes it work is their dynamics with each other. They're almost a singular character, but they're so different that they're also two different characters. I don't, I know it, I'm probably talking in circles, but I don't know how else to explain how, like, the Tweedles are one entity, but also D and Dim are their own people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So everything sort of, arose around people interacting with Alice and Hatta, and their relationship and how they interact with each other, Um, which was an interesting way to sort of build this world because Alice was literally the focal point. And so if it didn't have anything to do with her, even though I might know it in the back of my head, it never really came forward on the page Um, just because it's not something that would come up organically. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so that's kind of how I was able to build these characters is they were built, first off, on a relationship, and then their relationship to that relationship, once again, if that makes sense. You think I would be better at using words since I, you know, do this writing thing? <laughs> um, but talking no, is not my forte. You're so talking I
0: hope. like a writer, I though, because I, I think that it is one of those things where... We get asked questions like this and, you know, obviously I've <laughs> been asked questions and I've also interviewed a lot of authors. Um, but it's like, you get asked questions like, how do you come up with characters? And it is an incredibly difficult thing to try to pin down and be like, uh, how does my brain function? I'm not what? sure. <laughs> Yes, it's like I grew people in my head. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> they were seeds,
1: and I watered them carefully, like you know, flowers in Animal Crossing. And here we are. Um, but that—that's it. Was the relationships is what I focused on. Mm-hmm. Who they were as characters revealed themselves and came out of the focus being their relationships to each other and with themselves, because Alice has something of a tenuous relationship with herself and her self-esteem um particularly in the beginning so mm-hmm. that that was the the foundation
0: yeah and i love that you bring in the muchness uh which is of course a lewis carroll thing and you know alice in wonderland talks about the muchness um but it really it makes for a great uh, you know kind of analogy for self-esteem and how it's you know, believing in yourself even when you don't really believe in yourself <laughs> like I don't know the way that it's worded in the book is really clever and I think applies to a lot of teenagers. It's that part of i i I remember
1: wanting Alice's strength to literally be how she feels about herself so mm-hmm. that while other people, may impact it, because as much as we want to try and say, you know, stuff other people says doesn't bother me, doesn't affect me in any way, that's something that happens with practice. You don't just show up like that. (laughs) Um, Don't let anybody lie to you will tell you different. (laughs) So this idea of her self-esteem, her self-worth being what literally makes her weapons sharp enough to kill these creatures is something I wanted to get across. And muchness just you can just slap that in there. It fit perfectly. <laughs> it does. So what it says in the book is that it's that part of you that believes in yourself even when the rest of you doesn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: there's always gonna be some small voice and we, we lock it out and we, you know, tell it not we don't listen to it even when it's trying its best teeny tiny to reach out to us and tell us that the other voices are wrong about what they're saying, um, we're wrong about what we're thinking. And that small part, I don't think ever fully gets snuffed out. It could be tamped all the way down, like there's a pixel left in this little picture of who you are in your own mind, but it's always there
0: because mm-hmm. it
1: can't go away because it, it is you. So that that's what the muchness is.
0: Yeah. So I particularly loved just all of the the wordplay, um, which of course again harkens to Lewis Carroll, and it's not easy to do, and I know that. Um, but there's so much of it. There's so many little puns and little jokes, and things like a character named Chess and a character named Court, and which took me a while to get, and I was like, oh, I get it. That's <laughs> so hysterical, and like little things like that that have all of these these great double meanings. Uh, was that, does that sort of thing come naturally to you? Or was that something that you were working on in like long into revisions, trying to be like, okay, how do I get more wordplay? How do I jazz this up some? Some of it,
1: I I don't, I don't think it came naturally, but the story that I was trying to tell just lended itself to it super well. Mm. Um, because the world was so far removed from the original that these words just popping up made more sense than if I was trying to follow the plot of the original Alice in Wonderland. So having chess pop up, having Courtney or Court pop up or Madeline and Hata, um different pieces here and there was easy to do in the sense that I didn't have to fight against the original narrative. Mm-hmm. I still had to go in and find places. Because I'm like, well if I name a person Lewis or Carol, like these are just, you know, extraneous characters that you're just throwing them in and you're giving them names and that signals to the the reader that they're important, you know, beyond like a cameo. Oh, Alice has two cats. I love cats. I'll give her cats. And so that's how we get Lewis and Carol. And they show up and I believe they, I think they show up in book two. I hope they show up in book two because they show up in book three and book one. I think they show up in book two. I see. I uh, there's, there's, some there's a lot happening. There's a lot happening, but they're there, and it, it it's stuff like that. That honestly, getting his name in there was one of the harder things I had to think about because I had to name something. Like I didn't want to name a place, and I didn't want to name characters. And so her cats. It after the fact, that was like, wow, like way to go. That took you forever for no <laughs> reason, but you know because hindsight's 2020 20, but now yeah it, it it took a minute so on the one hand naturally yes on the other hand oh not at all
0: <laughs> so on a similar note i i love maddie uh, who is a poet a quote unquote poet um which in wonderland i mean she's kind of like a potions maker but like one of the effects of her magic is that she talks just an utter nonsense um, which is just so delicious, and as a reader, I loved it. I love her dialogue, but as a writer, I kept thinking this would be such a headache to write dialogue like this because, like, on one hand, it makes no sense whatsoever, but on the other hand, it sort of does. Like, it still is sort of relevant. Yes. <laughs> so, like, was she a really fun character, or were you like kicking yourself halfway through, like, why did I do this to myself? both um <laughs> because she's
1: it was fun because a lot of her dialogue really is just nonsense words strung together but then there are parts and I'm, I hope that they they come through uh where she tries really really hard to be understood by people who aren't from Wonderland and um because otherwise she has to like take this potion that will for lack of a better term, straighten out her speech patterns, but it's temporary and it hurts like hell. So she doesn't like doing it. And she only does it in like extreme circumstances when communication is vital. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause, but also she usually has had around who just, he doesn't really translate, but he does like, cause he'll have conversation with her and he'll just be speaking, you know, plain. English while she's speaking in riddle-ish I guess and Alice is able to keep up via the context of his side of the conversation
0: right and the Um, reader too yes yes (laughs) no you know
1: moments where he's not around she's just yeah I I literally like part of the plot called for that potion to straighten out her her speaking tendencies but also me I'm like I'm (laughs) done I can't do this anymore she has
0: to speak she has to speak like a
1: normal human being I can't I can't do it
0: yeah, so, yeah. I mean, no, I was thinking because in that that scene where she has to like tell Alice a lot of really important stuff and it was like I see why you you had this potion because trying to convey all of this in her normal speak oh man
1: it would have it would have been it especially because Hada isn't there to act as mediator and translator it, it would have been I don't know I'd have thrown my laptop against the wall and called it a day so yes I did cheat and yes it was a plot point of convenience but also it literally is what would have happened in that moment
0: yeah so. yeah no it works and you've established that this character has this ability with potions and it all it all makes sense it was a it wasn't a cheat that worked yes you're allowed <laughs> Um, okay. The last thing I wanted to ask specifically about this series is fight scenes, because there are a ton of them. And I know for me, I have also written a lot of fight scenes and yet I still feel like they are sort of my nemesis. So, but your, your fight scenes are so great and powerful. So, you know, how do you do it? What's, what's your secret or what's your strategy?
1: my strategy. Um, well I have four sisters I would just be like, hey, come here a second like if I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> to figure something out um, oh, that's, that's one way to do that to, that's one way to do it. Um, but I also I will go and I will watch my favorite fight scenes from movies or TV shows or I'll replay fight scenes on video games that I like. And um, because I am a chronic saver, so I have a save file for every video game before every major boss fight, because I'm always scared I'm going to mess something up. (laughs) So I always just save it on the little track below it. So there's like 80 saves for one playthrough. And people are like, I can't play your game because there's no space. Well, it's (laughs) recent. Leave me alone. So I'll go and I'll play the video game. And for the video game, for me, I'll pause and make note of what I'm thinking in that moment. Like, do I have to dodge around the creature? Can I see? Is, is it the person or whoever I'm fighting or whatever I'm fighting? Is it telegraphing that it's going to do this move next? You know, um, did I have to look that up on Google or was it something that I naturally saw? So working through video game fights and cranking them up to, you know, hard max level um sort of puts me in the mindset of the person who is having the fight because I still have to plan through my moves even though I'm not physically there fighting you know this huge dragon but then um also hearkening back to the day days of Yahoo chat rooms I used to spend a lot of time fighting in there um not like fighting how we fight on Twitter but like fighting like writing <laughs> out fight scenes like here I am playing as I don't know, Sailor Uranus or something and I'm fighting inuyasha. I don't know how it works. It just does. And so I have to not only take into account that person's actions, but then write my own. So I, I cut my teeth on fight scenes without even realizing it. So so that's kind of how I do fight scenes is I watch fight scenes I enjoy. Um I watch fight scenes that I don't enjoy and I notate the reasons why I don't enjoy them and I try to avoid that. And then I play video games so that I'm as close as I can be without breaking umpteen million laws <laughs> start body slamming people in the streets um I mean you could but it wouldn't go well
0: so that's how no, I get not recommended.
1: not recommended no probably best not to I mean, we get bored in the quarantine but don't don't do that one it's my suggestion
0: um okay I When I was stalking you on your website, getting ready for this interview, (laughs) notice that you are writing a Jane Eyre retelling. Yes, I am. Can you talk about it? Because I just got really super excited.
1: I will talk about it to the best of what I can say thus far. Because that is something that um, I turned in recently. So we still got to go through edits and all that good stuff. Because 2020, 2020 everything. (laughs) um, But it is essentially a queer retelling where Jane sees Rochester for the creep that he is um, (laughs) while she's there with, you know, teaching Adele and learning the ways of the house and everything that's going on and all the, you know, sneaky things and fires starting and all this sort of stuff. And on the flip side, Bertha is up in the attic and she's trying to get out, like, so she's setting things on fire and breaking, like, taking, uh, like, silverware over time when meals are brought to her and digging through wall- holes in her closet to the next room so she can leave. Like, this is what she's doing, and Jane is kind of hearing this. And so they end up meeting and falling um, for each other and conspiring against ye old, uh. Edward, to get out of Dodge. So that's, that is the retelling as much as I can say without giving away too much. But that is it, is that these two girls um, take down this this dude who I have no love for. Um, and they <laughs> do it together. Love it. They're so sweet. I, I I'm super into it because they kind of fall for each other via writing secret messages back and forth to each other because they can't just like stand there and talk to each other right. So so that's what it is is you know um, they manage to get messages back to each other and it's just not necessarily whirlwind because it takes a little bit of time but that's how they they tell each other things that each other has been thinking about their own pasts and what led them to being here and now and
0: it's so sweet and I love it. Oh I love it too. What a brilliant twist on that story. Is it historical? Like, is it set in the same time period or is yeah, it modern? Like, in the same time period. It's set in the same
1: places because there's multiple places. It's, we get to see a lot of things. Um, I have um, interactions between them. I introduce new characters. It's, it has been a journey. Oh my um, gosh. This is the first time I'm doing a, le- legitimate retelling where I kind of follow as much of the plot as I can while completely deviating from it because (laughs) the plot is Rochester and Jane falling in love and meanwhile she's just kind of like he's infatuated with her of course and she's like uh where's your wife like that's kind of what's happening it's like dude settle
0: down what's going on so it's it's fun Oh my gosh, I love it. Was it really hard switching to historical? I thought it was. um, Oh, I thought it would be. It wasn't, but it was.
1: Because there was a, once upon a time, I said on Twitter that I would never write historical fiction (laughs) because I don't like research. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) School has put me off of research entirely. Unless it's, you know, like fun stuff like dragons and magic and you know, alchemical properties for potions and things like that. Um, But then this happened and I'm like, I I guess I'm writing a historical now. So uh, the the main thing that was hard for me was there's no magic, no fantasy whatsoever. This is the first time I've ever accomplished that. I'm very proud of myself because I'll be writing and it's like, oops, there's a vampire, I guess. I don't know. He's here now. Let's go. But no, I couldn't do that is, with this as much as I would have liked to.
0: Yes. Trying to, to write without magic. It's like, but, but where do the obstacles come from? <laughs> There's so much. I can't, I
1: respect people who do contemporary or historical, who have no fantastical elements whatsoever. Cause this is, this is literally the first time I've managed it.
0: And also amid all the research. Yes. So yes. much research. i Victorian bathrooms are not a thing I thought
1: I would ever have to look up but here I am six YouTube videos deep and 95 tabs on chrome and all I know is that people used to accidentally boil themselves like that's what I walk away with so it's just like this is so much we're just gonna avoid mentioning the bathroom because nobody's here for that That's, there
0: you go. That's, that's a good solution. (laughs) No, I, I completely admire people who write historical fiction. I wrote one, uh, like a short story for an anthology that was historical fiction. And for that one story, I think I researched for like two straight months. I was like, how could you do this for an entire novel? (laughs) It, It literally, it changes everything. I'm fairly
1: certain that YouTube thought I was a different person entirely by the end of it. It completely screwed up my recommendations on my homepage (laughs) for a good three weeks
0: after I was done. So, (laughs) Um, Okay, well, it sounds amazing. I'm so excited. Do you have a release date for it?
1: I believe it's fall 2022. Don't quote me okay. on it. Um, so a ways away. I have a million dates in my head and everything is just amalgamous right now because of, you know.
0: Right. right. Everything's shifting around. Um. On that note, I did want to talk uh, a little bit of industry with you um, because I didn't realize until I was, uh, again, preparing for this interview that you were published or your series is published by imprint um which is an imprint of Macmillan, and they just very recently re- uh announced that they were going to be closing um and so i know that that's kind of this new scary thing that's happening in the industry um and i know a lot of aspiring authors hear stories like this and it's like that that roller coaster of publishing and all of the scary things that can happen um, so I'd love to just kind of get your take on you know how how things are happening with you how are you feeling um just any any insider info that that listeners might appreciate yeah sure um so before this
1: happened i the editor who acquired a blade so black is not the editor who worked on a dream so dark um Rhoda who was my original editor she ended up Uh, moving on to a different position before the first book even came out. Mm. So I had sort of this taste of what happens in publishing often enough where editors move, you know, because they do jobs and whatnot. So I guess that kind of was a stepping stone up to this. Um, So I had already experienced this point in time where writer friends are like talking me off the edge right (laughs) because I'm like what am I gonna do um and I'm emailing people and I'm telling people I'm like so here's the deal I don't want to sound how it's gonna sound but I absolutely mean how it's gonna sound but I am mildly terrified that I'm gonna get a white woman working on my book (laughs) literally what went through because There was so much that Rhoda took on so that I didn't have to, Mm. particularly during copy edits, right? So that was the big, oh no, moment. Um, And it kind of somewhat prepared me for this because at this point it was, okay, I'm gonna get another editor. Well, I've already established the tone and everything for this story, there is an understanding with, you know, marketing and publicity and everybody, no matter who I get, that this is how the stories go. This is how my process with these stories go. So I'm good. Now comes finding out where I'm going to land because what you're scared of is you you don't want to end up being somebody's project because it was given to them. Mm -hmm. Not that they wanted it. And but I was extremely blessed that there was an editor uh, within Macmillan who was like, I, "I want, I want those and her, please, thank you." Um, so somebody requested to they oh, wanted good. the book. Like as soon as they find out, they were like, "Yeah, those are mine now. I'll fight you for them." <laughs> um, so it was, it was um, the best case. In a bad scenario, I think, because I have definitely heard where people have gone to a new imprint or a new editor and they do get treated like something that was, you know, just shoved in an Mm -hmm. inbox. And because this person didn't, this is extra work these people have to do now and they didn't, it's not something that they wholeheartedly believe in. It's because it's their job, you know.
0: Yeah. So
1: um, it was a lot but I think the transitions that happened prior and also um, the editor who worked on book two before imprint shuttered went to another <laughs> publisher so twice I had been orphaned oh. uh, it was that news sort of came on the curtails of that news so I hadn't really like the dull of one just sort of edged into the other, the pain of the, the hit of the sting of one pain just sort of dulled into the other. So it, it never really just stopped. Oh, uh, so tumultuous.
0: It was.
1: <laughs> but you all like there's no choice but to go for like you feel what you feel and then you make a plan. Yeah. Um which is why I, I'm you you always want to make sure that the agent that you pick is an agent who is there for your career. Because this while it was about books was a very much career heavy issue that we had to talk through and make a plan for and come up, you know, strategize on, okay, so these are the next moves. I was able to focus on tangibly. What do I do next? I will wallow in despair later. Tangibly. (laughs) What do I do next? So that, that was, that was how that got handled. It was not a good situation by any means, but having the right people in my corner
0: made it better. No, that, that's really excellent advice, I think, to kind of focus on what you can do um, because, the, I mean, no one ever talks about it really, but it does happen all the time where editors leave or imprints close or publishers close or publishers get bought out. I mean, it's a part of the industry and a part of, you know, the fact of a lot of careers. And yeah, the only thing that you can do is focus on Yourself and your writing and the books and and keep moving forward. Yeah. Like stuff ends up happening. Things get, like the schedule for stuff
1: has gotten shifted shifted as a result, right? Because you have to spend time um, adjusting to the new norm, as it were. People have to adjust their schedules. You have to get on somebody else's schedule. They have to get on yours. And when it finally settles, it's sort of like, okay, well, now we have to come up with The schedule for us together and that's not going to be at all what the previous schedule looked like because Mm -hmm. you know I'm being even though somebody asked for me I'm still being slotted in on somebody else's timetable I wasn't there originally and I would be upset if I was an author who was with someone originally and somebody else for better or worse got dumped in their lap and that that messed me up right (laughs) so I, I feel that and so my take was I don't want to I don't want this to affect other people more than it absolutely necessarily has to. So stuff got moved to nature mm-hmm. the beast.
0: Yeah. And you also you don't want your book to just be, you know, crammed in with with all of the other things that this person has on their list or that this publicist is trying to promote. I mean there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah,
1: there's there's so much air in the room when it comes to certain things and so if it it people are always like, oh, so is it a bad thing if a date gets moved or pushed? And it's like, it might feel like it, but at the end of the day, it gives you breathing room and it gives you a chance to regroup and to potentially, you know, have more space for you and yours. Mm. Um, So I, I try and look for the silver linings in these types of situations.
0: Right. No, I think that's a great way to think about it for sure. Uh, And I'm happy to hear that you are continuing with Macmillan and that there's an editor that was so excited to pick you up because why wouldn't they? It was,
1: I, I don't know. I was surprised, but I don't know why
0: (laughs) that I was like, oh. That muchness. You needed your muchness to come. (laughs) I did. did. (laughs) It was like, I, I.
1: I didn't not expect it, but to hear it, it's just, you know, when somebody comes along and they give you a compliment and you didn't expect the compliment, it's not that you didn't believe the compliment about yourself. Like you didn't believe that you were this or that, but just to hear somebody say it out loud, somebody who's not related to you, as a matter of fact, it's not your mom, you know, going,
0: you're my number one, whatever,
1: (laughs) totally like unprovoked this happened. That's always a nice feeling.
0: No, definitely. I hear you. Okay, uh, on that note, we are going to close this out with our Happy Writer bonus round. Okay. It was formerly the lightning round, but nobody ever treated it as a lightning round. So as of this episode, I'm (laughs) changing it to the bonus round. Okay, first question. Why is a raven like a writing desk? (laughs) Because writing desks are nests. Oh, I like that one. That's a good answer. I've given this much thought. If you can tell, <laughs> I, I thought either this is gonna like she's gonna hate me for this question, or she's gonna have an answer at the ready. <laughs> okay, um, sorry. Now onto the actual questions. What book makes you happy right now? Um, oh, there's so many. Um,
1: the book that makes me happy right now is *Legendborn* by Tracy
0: Deer. <gasps> That was so good. She was on the podcast, by the way. For people who haven't heard her episode, so good. It's so, so good. good. So good. I have not
1: participated in shipping wars since Yeo. days. <gasps> oh my god! I know, Avatar, right?
0: saw the last Airbender, and this brought it all back. Okay, can I ask? Will you will you confess? Who are you shipping for?
1: Oh, I am like I. I, I I love them both. But if I had to make a choice, like, you no, know, you have to pick a one and he can be a close two, but he's still two. I love Selwyn.
0: <laughs> Me too. Me too. No, so, no. I'm the so same. Nice. I love them both. I'll, as as yeah, I just want a happy ending for her, but yeah, I, I'm rooting for Selwyn too. Yes. Okay. Um, what do you do to celebrate an accomplishment? Um...
1: Honestly, I probably pop open a bottle of wine, Um, especially now because I can't go out and celebrate. But I used to do this thing where I would take my uh, parents or my sisters and we would go to a big dinner and we would just be in this back room and be loud and happy and just having fun. Um, So that's what I used to love to do to celebrate um, anything, essentially. Or I get on a video game and I beat up a boss. (laughs)
0: <laughs> one or the other big family dinner beating up people same energy Same. <laughs> how do you fill the creative well
1: <laughs> once again beating up bosses. <laughs> 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 seriously I, I I like to um I'll watch tv or watch movies or play video games and it's usually something I've already seen or played just because there's something about settling this to something that's familiar to you um, Mm -hmm. that you don't have to sort of pay attention to for lack of a better, you know, way to put it. So, so that's what refills my well is just stuff that I enjoyed before I was a writer and it's stuff that I still enjoy now. So it kind of helps maintain that balance.
0: What advice would you give to help someone become a happier writer? Um, Deadlines are definitely there for a
1: reason, but the world is not going to fall apart if you miss them. Mm, That is good. And I needed to hear that. Thank you. (laughs) They're not going to fall apart. Like I, 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 another thing that I've said on Twitter is I just turned in and this was last week. I think I just turned in something super, super late and you know what world's still spinning. Mm -hmm. It'll get there when it get there. I'm not about to jeopardize my health, um, in order to meet a deadline. And I would hope that people who knew me, um, and worked with me wouldn't want me to do that either. So the world will still be there after you hit send late, or if you don't hit send on time, it'll be okay. I promise.
0: No, that is such good advice. I, for like my first I think four novels, I was early, like months ahead of deadline with them. And I just felt like, oh, I'm just so good at this. This is how my career is always going to go. And then it didn't happen for like the next number of books. And oh, the panic, the panic set in. So it's so good to hear that reminder that, It's really gonna be okay.
1: It really, really is. And like, I recently moved this summer. And if you pay attention to me on Twitter, then you already know what's been happening. But I have this thing, and both editors can tell you, where starting with book two, whenever I was going to turn in a major revision or a draft, my apartment building would catch on fire. (laughs) It literally would. Literally, literally, my someone upstairs would catch something on fire and the result would be a small like blackout within the building or in this case, the last time is everything floods and you have to move. Um, And the result of not, you know, the power would go out so I couldn't access my desktop. So it's just sitting there and I can't do anything with it. Or my desktop would get shorted out and I have to send it to be repaired or my laptop would get wet and so I can't like, fires would happen and stall the work for at least a month every single time so I'm really certain that my well this was the old editor I'm gonna have to let the new editor kind of know what's going on Um, where it's like yeah if I'm like just 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 assume it was a literal natural disaster because I'm usually on time but if it's something major yeah
0: yeah but those are all like really legitimate excuses
1: yeah True, but also this year, it was a lot of... No, I didn't... Especially this summer, like this June and July, I had to tell a couple of editors, like, I, literally, it's just been a week of the world saying that they hate Black people and I just haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm just... Just understand, you'll right. get it in like two weeks.
0: Yeah, and no then, one can be blamed for 2020.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all um, going to be late next year, editors. Exactly. So at this point, just... I know that you're going to think you're bothering your editor or that you're making their job harder or that you're, you somehow are being a problem. If you ask for more time, you are not, please ask for more time.
0: Mm-hmm. No, great, great advice. Lastly, where can people find you?
1: Twitter mostly. Um, Cause I'm able to send out my thoughts in bursts, which might not be the best thing, but here we are. Um, so it's L on words, and that's E-L-L-E on words, and I talk about Sailor Moon, I talk about writing, I talk about fighting in video games, um, or jelly donuts, which was a thing earlier today, <laughs> and I do have other stuff, various other places, the best way to get a hold of that is to go to LLMcKinney.com, And I think it's the upper right-hand corner or at the bottom of the page. You'll see all of my other stuff for like Instagram and Facebook and stuff where mostly it's pictures of Sir Chester, my cat.
0: Awesome. Elle, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. (laughs) It was fun. This was a great final episode for us to wrap up 2020. And I really appreciate you being here. Readers, be sure to check out the Nightmare Verse series. You can currently by A Blade So Black and A Dream So Dark, and the third of the series, A Crown So Cursed, is available for pre-order. Of course, we always encourage you to support your local indie bookstore if you can, but if you don't have a local indie, you can also check out our affiliate store at bookshop.org slash shop slash Marissa Meyer. If you're enjoying these conversations, please subscribe and help us spread the word to other readers and writers. You can find us on Instagram at Marissa Meyer Author and at Happy Writer Podcast. Until next time, stay healthy and cozy in your bunkers. Have a wonderful holiday season. I will see you in 2021. And whatever life throws at you today, I do hope that now you're feeling a little bit happier.